Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 505. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually, and by providing competitive salaries and benefits to 240 team members based in Watsonville, California, and Miami, Florida. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. For each podcast episode this year, we also thank three of our major sponsors. Thank you to Red Twig Farms, based in Johnstown, Ohio, a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign, where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. Before we meet our featured guest, I want to share a short bonus conversation with Maura Feeney of Camellia Fair Floral Studio, based in Philadelphia. You may know this talented floral artist by her former studio name, Maura Rose Events, now rebranded as Camellia Fair. Maura is a returning designer at this year's Philadelphia Flower and Garden Show, and Slow Flowers is supporting her installation. Currently, she's seeking Slow Flowers member growers to provide blooming plants to use in her exhibit called Rooted and Gathered. Maura isn't asking for a free donation. She has a budget to purchase the plants, and you'll have promotional credit and receive access to the photography from the exhibit. So I've invited Maura to share more details with you. You can also find all of this information in today's show notes for episode 505 at deborahprinzing.com. Hey, today I've got a bonus conversation I want to share with you. It's really timely. Uh, please meet Maura Feeney. Maura owns Camellia Fair Floral outside of Philadelphia, and uh, she's got something really fun that we want to let everybody know about. Hi, how are you? It's good to see you, Maura. I'm fabulous. It's so great to see you as always. Yeah, well, we've been together a lot talking about um, your wonderful space that's featured in Where We Bloom, but um, you're also really involved with the upcoming first time ever outdoor version of the Philadelphia Flower and Garden Show. And I wanted to just um, invite people to get involved, if, if especially if they're in the Philadelphia area. Um, so you just told me that you're, this is your fourth year designing an installation at the Philadelphia Flower and Garden Show? 
Yeah, it's hard to believe, but yeah, this will be our fourth year. And every year is always something new and exciting. And of course, this year we have the biggest challenge of all with it being outdoors. But one thing to be thankful for is that it's the first time that it's taking place during growing season. So we can finally get some local farmers involved. That's really interesting. Yeah, because at the uh, late February, early March window, which is when the show has traditionally taken place, Oh, plus also indoors. I mean, it was more of a floral, you you had to go to traditional cut floral sources like wholesalers, right? Correct. So tell me, what is Camellia Fair Floral Studio doing at the Philadelphia Flower Show? And and how did you have to change it up just to reimagine your installation just because of the venue? So this year, uh, we are part of what's called the floral invitational category. So what that is, is this five floral design companies uh, from all over the country. We are given a 10 by 10 foot square area of space. Every year, it's a little bit different. Sometimes it's eight by eight. Sometimes they tell us we're going to be up on elevated pods. This year, we're going to be right in the grass. Now, because the flower show is outdoors this year, it's also running a longer period of time. So the show is running for almost two weeks. I think it's about 12 days in total. And because of that, um, we are going to be sort of changing up our format in that I want to use a lot more plants and be designing with a lot of plants rather than fresh cut florals, just because the elements these flowers are going to be exposed to, I want to make sure that they're rooted and able to last the duration of the show. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're asking a lot of all the uh, art supplies, <laughs> herbaceous art supplies that you're going to be putting into your design. Yes. Yes. Tell us about what it's called. It's called Rooted and Gathered. So what is sort of the inspiration for your what, what you envision this beautiful play, piece being? You know, when they had first told us what the theme of the show was, and um, they always tell us about a year before the show. And this year, the theme is Habitat Nature's Masterpiece. And I really wanted to do something that was going to just talk a little bit more about what it means to, you know, return to be human, our connections to nature, uh, a celebration of what we're connected to rather than what we're separated from. I mean, we've all been just so separated this past year with this pandemic and everything. So you know, wildness and nature. I mean, that's really what it's about. That's what's at the core of our being. Mm-hmm. So this is going to feature uh, a feast table set by woodland natives. And what we mean by that is we've already started working on our little sculptures, our squirrels, our birds, our deer. Um, they're going to be welcoming a weary traveler. This weary traveler is caught somewhere between the real world and the wilds. And that's going to be a focal of the exhibit. It's going to be this wire sculpture sculpture of a human sitting at this feast table and sort of having their roots going back into the earth. Oh, I love it. Like their feet yeah. are their feet are taking root in at the table as they sit at the table. Exactly. And there was one quote in particular um, by Theodore Rothke, who's a poet, who said, you know, deep in their roots all flowers keep their light. And that's sort of what we wanted this exhibit to embody. Mm. Can you say that quote again? Yep. Deep in their roots, all flowers keep their light. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, it takes a village, and uh, Slow Flowers has wanted to really support you. And we just, you know, made a small donation to cover the cost. But you're also seeking donated product, and I guess you 
maybe have a budget. I'm not quite sure. Can you talk a little bit about like your what's your perfect wish list for um, getting other people, slow flowers, um, growers and designers, or just people in the horticulture community involved? Yeah, so because we have to use all plants this year, we are really looking for any any rooted plants that we can use in our exhibit that are somewhere in the jewel tone family. So pinks, purples, reds, anything that's a little bit more of a deeper saturated color. And we are paying for the product. So okay. we did get a stipend to cover the cost. So it wouldn't be donated. They, the farmers that are involved would be paid for their product. It would need to be either delivered to us, um, you know, the week that we are setting up the show, which I believe is the first week in June, or if it's within 50 miles of Philadelphia, I can definitely arrange for them to be picked up. Wow. Okay. And then also, as, yeah, as a partner of the exhibit, your farm name will be listed on the sign and as well as, you know, slow flowers, um, so it's, it's just a really nice way to get some exposure, be a part of something a little bit different. I know every farmer florist and every farmer is super busy this time of year. Um, so we're hoping to get as many people involved as we can. Yeah, I think that's fabulous. And I just think also, um, again, all these collaborative endeavors, these, I don't know, whether it's a styled shoot or an installation or an event, creates something that changes people's perspective about horticulture and floriculture and nature because they're engaged. It's very immersive. It sounds like that's what you want the visitors to the Philly show to, to walk away with is like, wow, I could picture myself at this table as this human. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, love it. Well, um, I will put all the details in our show notes today for the, um, the Philadelphia Flower and Garden Show, how you can get involved supporting Camellia Fair Floral Studio and Maura Feeney and her team. Uh, she's a good friend to Slow Flowers. She's a good friend to lots of local flower farmers too. So I know you've got, you're pulling in from your context as well. Um, I wish I could be there, but I know you're going to share photos. So <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I'll see Robin there. Yes, we're going to send Robin Obney from Bloom Imprint, and she'll take lots of photos too. But she will be there during the show. We can't send her with plants. So let's try to (laughs) rally the troops. Do you have any estimate, Maura, of roughly how many um, plants you need? I mean, it's kind of, you know how to estimate the number of flowers you need for a wedding, but how do you do something like this? I am, well, I'm just going to see what comes in. And then hopefully if we need more, we can uh, get some more a little bit locally. But I mean, we have a 10 by 10 foot space. So the more, the merrier. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that you are like all creatives. You work with what you have at hand. So um, hearing a little bit about the palette and and a little bit about, um, you know, you're looking, you would even look at things like trees and shrubs, not just perennials and annuals, right? And any unique foliage too, you know, we're, we're welcome to have that on board as well. Great. Good. Well, I will make sure that I get that information shared in our show notes. There's a little bit of a time sensitivity because of signage and um, getting people credit in, you know, in terms of the Philly, Philly shows limitations, but um, yeah, that's okay. That's how these things come together. And the dates are in early June. So we've got about, you know, a, you know, three-ish weeks to pull this together. Congratulations. Thanks, Deborah. It was always a pleasure chatting with you. Okay. Thanks so much, Maura. And we'll get this out into the community and hopefully some people will get in touch with you. All right. Take care. Take care.
Thanks so much, Maura. Next up, let's welcome Nikki Irving of Flourish Flower Farm of Asheville, North Carolina, a longtime Slow Flowers member, a flower farmer, florist, educator, and now author. Nikki and her husband, William, own a nine-acre specialty cut flower farm nestled in North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains. Nikki farms more than 300 varieties of cut flowers and foliage, and she creates seasonally inspired designs for weddings and special events. She sells her flowers wholesale, both locally and nationally, motivated by a belief that flowers make the world a more beautiful, joyful place. Let's jump right into the conversation and talk all about Nikki's new book, Growing Flowers. I'll share some photos of this talented farmer florist, along with the table of contents to help you see the range of comprehensive information Nikki covers in her new book. We'll also share details on how you can order a signed copy from Nikki and follow along at her social places. You can find all this information in our show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 505. Oh, and listen for details after our interview, because thanks to the generous donation from Nikki's publisher, we have two copies to give away to listeners. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to talk about two things I love the most, books and flowers, and my guest wants to talk about those with me, so I'm delighted to welcome Nikki Irving. Hi, Nikki. Hey, Deborah. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. You bet. And um, I'm so glad we have uh, time to talk about your new book that you've written, but you are a farmer florist based in Asheville, North Carolina, and you're the owner of Flourish, Flourish Flower Farm. Is that the full name? It is the full name, yes. Great. Oh, that's great. Well, um, I think we had you on when we we did kind of like a state-by-state spotlight, and I featured two, uh, like a a grower and a designer from uh, North Carolina a couple years ago. So it's, yeah, people may remember meeting you and are following you on Instagram. But I was surprised last fall when you reached out to me and said, hey, I'm writing a book. (laughs) And and you invited me to write the forward, which was so lovely. It's such a lovely invitation. But um, the book is coming out on May 11th. And just as I wanted to say to listeners, just in time for you to pre-order and give a beautiful handwritten card to your mother and say this book this book's on order it will be here soon uh happy mother's day don't don't worry if you're missing it by a couple days because it's just (laughs) in the window of mother's day right that's right (laughs) yeah and um or buy it for yourself or for a person you want to inspire to grow flowers so the title is called growing flowers everything you need to know about planting tending harvesting and arranging beautiful blooms. And this is, you're a first time author and congratulations. It's the cover alone is going to make people want to pick up this book. It's a bouquet of zinnias and I'm sure your hand is holding them, Nikki. (laughs) It is, but I really wanted the flowers to be the focus on the cover instead of my hands. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like grab them and bring them in. That's um, right. So tell us a little bit about the scope of the book. Like what do you, obviously the, the subtitle mentions a lot of things, but it's sort of like the A to Z guide to growing flowers, right? 
Absolutely. Yes. And that was, that was my goal. So, um, I was really honored to work with Mango Publishing and Yellow Pear Press. Of course, this was before you started Bloom Imprint. Um, so. You're the one who got away, lady. <laughs> I know. I know. We just missed each other. That's but okay. I I'm, so... I'm celebrate. I celebrate your talent. <laughs> Thank you. But it's such an honor to have you write the foreword. And when my editor said, Hey, we need someone you were, you just immediately popped in my mind mm. because you, um, are sort of like the fairy godmother of, of local flowers and such an inspiration to me. And I appreciate all of your support. Oh, thanks um, Nikki. Yeah. It was, yes. it was a total delight. And, um, I've watched you from afar. We kind of have a weird connection between uh, my husband and one of his college roommates is a friend of yours. And so yes. I sort of feel a little bit of like a sisterhood here. Uh, I can be the big sister, I guess. <laughs> but... Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Yes. I, his his daughter actually said, of course, you know, Deborah, when she saw that we were Facebook friends. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, okay. So this book kind of came out of nowhere and landed in your lap in terms of an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. It definitely did. So, you know, I, I've had a blog for many years. I started my blog as a way to just kind of document my process in starting the farm. Uh, My blogging has dropped off a cliff the last year, but that's because I've been busy with the book. Um, (laughs) You've had a few (laughs) deadlines in the way. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, Yeah. It was about a year ago, my last blog entry. But, you know, so I've enjoyed writing and sharing about the process and through teaching workshops for the past five years, um, you know, I've, I've just feel like I've been able to distill my process and totally out of the blue, I got an email from an editor who said, Hey, I've read your blog, love your website. I have been following you on Instagram and would you ever want to write a book? And honestly, at first I thought like, is this spam? Is this for real? <laughs> and it was, it was real. We had a few calls and just discussed the concept and that was right. That was in March of 2020. So it Jeez. was right as the world was shutting down and wow. so much uncertainty. So at first I I said no, even though I really wanted to do it, but I thought, I think I'm going to have to lay off my employees. I have no idea what this year is going to look like. And that was sort of before all my weddings that I was designing for were postponed. So I got nervous, but then things were changing so rapidly. And a week later, suddenly my calendar was clear and I thought, maybe I'm maybe I need to rethink this. I, I might regret saying no, because all of a sudden I have all this time. We went into lockdown. Yeah. So I reached back out to my editor and I said, can I change my mind? <laughs> and she said, yes. So, um, yeah, she gave me a lot of freedom to come up with the outline. And really I just sat down and thought, okay, if I was going to start a flower garden, or a flower farm, because I, I think the book is equally um, applicable, applicable to both. Like, what, what would I want to know? Where would I want to start? What are the most common questions? And, and I really just kind of wrote it from like the very beginning of, of breaking ground, thinking about what you want to plant to ending with, you know, making some bouquets that in arrangements you can enjoy yourself or, or give away. Um, so it was, a, a really short turnaround. Yeah, um, you wrote it in a couple months, right? I did because I 
really about three months. I was really, I like had my schedule blocked off a a few days a week and I just like forced myself to sit down and write. And then I would reward myself with going outside to harvest or even weeding was like my, you know, carrot at the end of the day. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of amazing, Nikki, that the universe gave you a pause because you wouldn't, I, I agree with you, with the plate, your full plate of weddings and events and all the workshops and education plus selling flowers wholesale there wasn't Mm. I mean you're you don't sleep much in this in the growing season um this was like this came along at the time when you all of a sudden had an unscheduled life so to speak even though the flowers are still growing and still needed tending right it's true it's true but um it was nice because I was able to bring my team members back on to help with you know, the selling the flowers that I think that's the most challenging part is even, even with photographing it, you know, we're mostly cutting our flowers at a stage before they're, you know, quote, Instagram worthy because they're, we're selling them to florists and designers and they don't stay in our hands for very long. So I, I really had to plan ahead with getting, shots for the book when the field was not, you know, picked empty. (laughs) That is such a good point. It's so funny that you bring that up because you almost had to have a sacrificial crop that you couldn't (laughs) sell because they were going to be like the models for the book. Like you had to know that these weren't going to be harvested, right? Exactly. Yes. There were a few days, especially during Dahlia season where it was like, all right, I'm going to pick a few buckets and these are just going to be photographed. They're not going to be sold. And it, you know, it was a little bit of an internal struggle to allow myself to do that. But, but in the end it's worth it. It's so interesting that you bring that up because when I did a, uh, wrote the 50 mile bouquet, which came out in 2012, the cover is this lush, overabundant flower field with all kinds of diversification of different varieties with the, a farmer and a florist speaking talking together about flowers. Diane Sukavati from Jello Mold and um, one of her customers um, who's no longer in the floral industry of uh, florists. And the photographer, I wasn't there. And the photographer, David Perry, said to me later, the only reason there was color in this scene is because I shot it during when the bottom fell out of the economy in 2008 or 2009 or 10, mm-hmm. somewhere in that window where you know, there was just the last recession, I guess. And there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of places for them to sell their flowers. They, and this is before this, the explosion of local flowers, um, with Mm. like the Seattle wholesale growers market. So it was sort of an ironic thing. Like normally that would have been a clear cut field. Like every flower would have been harvested to sell. Um, fast forward to this past year, another weird economic Mm -hmm. moment, but but the tables were turned and every, you could have sold every stem probably. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, people's hunger for flowers just grew exponentially and it, it was so wonderful, even though we don't do retail sales from the farm very occasionally, we'll mm-hmm. do something, but I was so glad that all my florists, um, locally and we started shipping a few years ago. So, I mean, we were shipping probably like 15 boxes every couple days, you know, twice a week, which is a lot. We're a really small farm. I only grow on barely three acres. And some of those are perennials that are not mature yet. 
So, I mean, we were really hustling to pick what we could. Um, and you know, people have this idea like, Oh, you work on a flower farm. It must be so beautiful all the time. And it is, but it's a different, um, it's a different scene than people think we don't, it's not fields of flowers or if there is, then, you know, we're about to go harvest all of them. (laughs) So sometimes I'm like, you actually don't want to come because it's a bunch of you know, stems with buds on them in the field. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I guess that's one of the things I had in the back of my mind when, um, cause you didn't really give me a, I don't know, an outline or a, or a topic to write about for the forward. But I had to sort of sit with what I knew about Flourish Farm. Even though I have not visited you, I've seen lots of photos and we've had lots of conversations and I, I felt like the, the thing that I was the most impressed about was that you're telling me about workshops and how these workshops had become a big part of your business model. Um, not necessarily that you aggressively marketed them, but they just sort of captured people's imaginations. They wanted to come be on your farm and you gave them a wonderful experience. And um, I started thinking that, that this book could be the kind of the, the work, like an experience like the workshop, but in the pa- between two covers. I mean, it, is that how it ended up turning out? Or like, are you, do you kind of walk people through this process when they come take a workshop with you? It is. I mean, that is a, when you, um, told me that idea for the forward, it it felt perfect because that is what I wanted this book to be. If you can't come to a workshop, um, for whatever reason, then, or even if you do, you know, this is all the information. And so I, I don't know that I, the workshops are definitely not as in depth as the book. I mean, the book, if you follow what I say in the book, like, and do the work, you can have an amazing, amazing flower garden, whether it's, you know, a a 20 by 10 little cutting garden patch or several acre farm. Hopefully anything can be scaled if you follow kind of the, like the systems and methods I've outlined. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Like it's just, you're learning the methods and, and you choose how vast or narrow you want to build that garden. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, a cutting garden is so different than landscaping. You want to fit as many plants in there as you can so that you can um, have beautiful flowers to cut from and and enjoy them, whether you just leave them on the plants or not. Um, But you're trying to pack more into a small space. Yeah. So. So how many, like, when is, when is the, what is this life cycle of the book? Do you start in spring and go through fall or is it a more uh, topical in terms of how you break up the the chapters of the book? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say it starts off more topical. It, um, I start with kind of like the planning, like finding a spot in your yard um, that works Um, actually, even before that we talk about climate. So that was Mm. a big, um, that was a big topic I wanted to address because I feel like there's a lot of gardening books or even farming that are kind of idealistic to be Mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. And most of us don't have ideal circumstances. I have farmed in a floodplain. I've farmed in sandy soil and rock solid clay. Now I farm on a huge hill. So, you know, you can do it anywhere, but you just have to understand what you're working with. So I wanted to break things out 
into like a, a, like a warm or a hot climate, a mild and a cold. Mm. And I outline what all of those mean in the book. And the reason that's important is because I think you can grow almost anything anywhere. You just need to adapt your timing to your climate. So someone in a cold climate is not going to start ranunculus at the same time that I do, but they can absolutely still grow it. Um, Just like my, you know, flower farmer friends way down in Florida and like the deep South, they grow all the same things that we do. It just, their timing is so different. So I started off by addressing that because I think that that the climate and understanding that and your freezing temperatures is so important for, you know, setting yourself up for success. Yeah. It's almost like you're teaching basic horticulture to people just um, because all of that could apply to an ornamental garden or a food garden as well. Just absolutely knowing your environment. Yes. Yeah. I had doing workshops and teaching private sessions. I feel like those are the biggest questions that people ask me is when do I start this stuff? Um, you know, do I do it at the same time as you? And like, no, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to teach people to be willing to make mistakes and also to learn how to just be observant and be like their own, I don't know, their own scientists, like they have to document what they're doing. And then, and I know you do that. You keep records every year and you look back and Mm -hmm. see, you know, what the germination rate was of, of, you know, a particular seed or, you know, what, what were their pests or diseases? Like, how did you address that, um, year in and year out? Yeah, exactly. And I went, looked back on all those notes over the years to see, like, just because last year I didn't have a terrible, Japanese beetle infestation, like that was a fluke every other year I have. And I know that they affect so many other growers. So I tried to take all my collective years of lessons learned, as I call them, um, and, and really just kind of bring that into the book. And I, I really didn't want to be shy about my failures either, because I think a lot of times those are even more valuable than the things that you get right. So I tried to speak in a more conversational tone and share anecdotes that hopefully can let people know that, you know, I, I I still kill plants and I still have pests and (laughs) all the bad things happen here too. I just keep moving forward and try to learn from, from those mistakes. Well, how did you choose what uh, flowers to feature? Because you're pretty diversified as a grower. You, you probably have I don't know, almost a hundred varieties that you're growing. I don't know. It could be putting words into your mouth. What's your, what is, what happens at Flourish and what is shows up in the book? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, I mean, we probably grow a few different hundred, a few hundred types of flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I cater to wedding designers and also do design, I love having little bits of special flowers that may only bloom for a few weeks, but they just add that sparkle. Um, and I'm kind of like a plant collector. So, yeah, (laughs) but I think for the book, I really wanted to highlight the flowers that are more popular or desirable and the ones that I get the most questions about. So I did deep dives into growing ranunculus and growing dahlias. I think those are the top ones that I have questions about. They're also two, they may be the top two most profitable crops on my farm. 
So I think it is worth it to spend a little time um, trying to get those right. Yeah, you know, if you were going to do like a hashtag search on Instagram, the, I'm sure that Dahlias and Ranunculus are among the <laughs> the most popular, um, you know, mentions that come up. Maybe peonies, but again, mm. you're in a that's dealing with a perennial versus, um, you know, a bulb or a modified bulb. So it's almost a completely different category of growing. Like, say, if someone's renting land, they're more likely to grow a dahlia, but they're not probably going to invest in a peony. So I don't know if you took that, exactly. if you touched on that or not. Yeah, I think, I think so. And, and I guess I approached it with the idea of, of what's the end goal of growing this flower garden. And in my mind, at least for this book, it was, it was to create a bouquet, whether you want to bring it inside and enjoy it in your house, give it to a friend or neighbor, or if you want to make, you know, grocery store bouquets to sell, um, mixed bouquets have been a real staple for, in, in my business for a long time. So that was the approach that I took is what ingredients do you need to create a balanced bouquet? You know, how many of those seeds do you need to sow to get a certain number of stems? Um, so I, I tried to keep it less focused on very specific flowers and more on, you know, what categories do you need? Like what ingredients do you want oh, to end up with for bouquets? Oh, you really had like a designer's eye in uh, telling people how to grow flowers because you're thinking of that. I love the word you said mix, like that whole, um, you know, you whatever role every stem is playing. Is it a line flower? Is it a focal flower? Is it the foliage? Is it, it provide movement? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's exactly how I approach planning what goes into my field, because, you know, even if you're, if you're designing a mixed bouquet for a grocery store or farmer's market, you need all those ingredients. If you're designing a centerpiece, you need all the same, you need focal line, filler, foliage. Um, so that's exactly how I approach everything I plan, trying to make sure I have all those categories throughout the season. Sort of interesting too, because you could, you need those same, uh, you know, key players in anything you're doing for um, a special event or wedding. It's just that maybe the the quantity changes or the, you know, it, the cost, you know, you're using more expensive flowers or something like that. But the grocery store bouquet is getting that same level of attention from you. It's pretty amazing. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think that's what makes it really special to, you know, different than your typical quote grocery store flowers or, you know, farmer's market bouquet. It, people may not know it, but there's something about the way that it strikes your eye and your aesthetics when you have all those different, different yeah. categories. I remember, I think the first time I interviewed you, Nikki, was for a, a piece I did for Growing for Market about branding your bouquets for farmer's market or grocery. And I was so impressed with your branding and the way that you develop relationships with like the, the some, some of these boutique regional grocery store chains that really had a customer base that valued, mm -hmm. you know, North Carolina grown flowers or Asheville grown flowers. And I know I learned a lot from that. And that was like four or five years ago that we talked about. It that. was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So with COVID last year, w weddings and events slowed down, but did everything else go full steam ahead in terms of your, your outlets and your channels? 
Yes, they did. And even though we didn't have a lot of weddings, like full size, we still did a lot of elopements. I found that people still wanted a bridal bouquet and they would go up along the Blue Ridge Parkway and have a little ceremony because they wanted to be married. And, um, and we were actually able to still host our workshops. Um, we, we delayed and started in the summertime, but because we're outside on the farm, we're able to be outside and distance the entire time. Everyone was great about wearing their mask, but if they wanted to wander off down, you know, a row by themselves, they could take their mask off. And I was really, really nervous to be honest about hosting those, um, and we just were very honest about, you know, like, if you're sick, don't come. Here's what we expect of you um, with distancing, wearing a mask. And everyone was like above and beyond, like following all the guidelines. <laughs> they behaved. I think they were, they, they totally behaved, but I think they were just so happy to have something to do and, you know, just to be outside and yeah. leave their house. So, um, I'm really glad that we did those last year and we're doing a lot more workshops this year um, with, with the the exact same guidelines. Mm -hmm. And it's, we've had one already in April, actually two in April and they went, they went off great. That is awesome. And now that starting in May, when people come, they can have a personally signed copy of Growing Flowers (laughs) when they come to visit you on your farm. I mean, this is sort of a, a funny component now of everything you do you have to think about um not this is not a negative this is a positive like hey i've got a a takeaway people can have and <laughs> as my friend Lorene would say a book is a is like a tangible artifact of an experience and uh it's wonderful that you know your your fans are going to have something to take home with them besides the flowers that they make in the arrange in the workshop right that's right. That's right. I know I'm starting now that the book is here, my author copies arrived and I can hold it in my hand. It's a little bit surreal. Like, Oh yeah, exactly what you're saying. I have this thing. I'm, I'm not really like a self promoter salesy kind of person, but yeah, I have this thing that people <laughs> want to buy. So, <laughs> all right, I'm going to give you two little author tips for, for being a first-time author. One is, maybe you already know this, you have to figure out some catchy little one, really short one-liner to write when you sign a, a book. You know, like, I don't know, you'll come up with something, but almost like a little wish for people or a little a little encouragement. And then I do think you need to have, a, and I'll show you right now on the screen since we're looking at each other on Zoom, you have to have your fine tip Sharpies in your color coordinated, you know, uh, palette. So I always use purple. Um, okay. But, and now that we have Bloom Imprint, that's like a basil green and um, kind of, you know, bright orange uh, logo. So I'm going to have to go buy some different pens, but have your color <laughs> pen. <laughs> like the cover of your book has a lot of, you know, juicy, um, kind of warm pinks. And so maybe, mm. maybe something in that magenta range. I don't know, but I like that. yeah, but okay. be, be ready to sign your name on everything and <laughs> personalize it. Okay. Those are excellent tips. I'm taking notes. And, Thank you. <laughs> and the thing, the other thing is we're in this world of Amazon, right? And anyone can buy that book cheaper on Amazon than to buy it from you. So you have to really hype the fact that, uh, well, I'm going to personally sign it for you and I'll even inscribe it to your, you know, if you want to give it as a gift, like 
Amazon won't let you do that. So you don't get a signed oh, book on Amazon. Not. So that's like that's your, only, right. <laughs> that's your only selling point. <laughs> it's so true. Yes. We are the only place on our online shop. And, and I actually put together these goodie boxes um, to kind of go along with the book launch because originally the book was going to come out just before Mother's Day. But with COVID, there were a lot of delays and postponements, mostly because of Amazon. So, um, actually, and I just have to say, you're not the only author that I've heard this happen to. I have some other past guests whose book got hijacked for two months. It was supposed to come out in March. So I'm so sorry that that happened, but maybe, you know, you're making the best of it. Yeah. At first I was disappointed and now you just roll with it like everything else. It's, it's not the end of the world. So, um, so I have these goodie boxes that have a beautiful handmade hand painted vase from an artist just up the road in North Carolina. I mean, her work is exquisite. Um, and then I included my favorite kind of gardening body care products made by, um, restoration Rose over in Tennessee, Mm -hmm the soap and hand, hand balm, which saves me and lip balm and some packets of seeds. And, and of course, a signed copy of the book. So, um, those will be available in our online shop too. Oh, oh, I love that. Oh, great. Well, we'll for sure share that link and, um, maybe share some inside photos of spreads of the book. You just sent me the PDF. So, um, I was quickly trying to open it while we're talking, but that's taking two skill sets. So yeah. <laughs> I'll share it with people. But, you know, it's so interesting because I've been in a conversation with um, <clears throat> this uh, Master Gardener program in Pennsylvania about they're doing, a they have a summer, <clears throat> excuse me, a summer conference. It has to be all online this summer. But one of the things that they asked me, you know, to, they asked me to, to moderate a panel of farmers and florists and um, they were trying to come up with a topic and I, I was like, look, define who your audience is. What do, who, what do these people want to know? And they basically defined the, the people you expect to be reading growing flowers, which is like the highly motivated home gardener who really just wants to have lots of flowers or a beginner who wants to learn that. And then possibly somebody who wants to derive a little bit of income from, uh, the flowers they grow. I mean, it's not that you're not teaching people how to flower farm per se, but no. there are people who are going to want to, um, you know, or maybe they don't even know it yet, but they're going to want to become, you know, you know, use this as a way to monetize their garden. Uh, and I think that that's a really interesting niche that that reader that is um, seeking more advanced knowledge from a pro. And that's really what you're mm-hmm. giving people in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I'm. You said it so perfectly. I think that is exactly who I wrote it for, and and those are the like the comments and messages I get either through email or social media. Is they say, okay, I'm just I'm just a home gardener, which I'm always like, don't downplay that. I think right. it's wonderful, right? But they say I want to grow the things that you grow, um, not on that scale, but you know, I want to do it successfully, and that's exactly who I wrote this book for. Well, and I think that especially, I mean, I think dahlias are kind of, you know, uh, a really easy place for people to start. But I think ranunculus, have they're tricky. Mm-hmm. And most home gardeners don't grow ranunculus. So I feel like that's going to be a real eye-opener is to demystify um, this you know, like flower that is like so beautiful, lasts so long, adds so much impact early in the year. 
people want to get their hands on it, but they maybe don't know how how easy or hard it is to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, know, I don't know. Are you having people, you telling people how to grow in the ground, direct in the ground or in raised beds or? Mm -hmm. And direct in the ground and... And there's a few, few tips. Um, so for example, ranunculus are really cold hardy, but they don't like to be frozen all of the time, especially once they're putting out a lot of foliage and getting ready to bloom. Well, that's where a lot of us in North America have like wildly fluctuating temperatures. So being able to cover them and provide an extra layer of, you know, frost cloth or even making a little mini like hoop tunnel Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. greenhouse plastic. Um, and then the other thing is, is drainage. I mean, ranunculus do not like to have any sort of standing water around them. So if people live in an area where it's really wet, probably like where you and I live in the winter, right? (laughs) a lot of rainfall, then they do well with that same little bit of protection. And you don't have to have a whole, you know, high tunnel or greenhouse, but you can make, you know, a little, a little mini version in your backyard, temporary um, kind of shelter. Yeah, exactly. And so there are a few things like that, that it's not as easy as just like scattering a few sunflower seeds, but you know, by taking those extra steps, you really can protect this crop and have a beautiful, um, beautiful ranunculus in your garden. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. I'm excited to see what happens when people, this book gets into people's hands and those people will probably start sending you photos of what they're growing or posting on your feed, uh, you know, their comments or sharing their photos and tagging you. Probably it'll take a full year to see those Mm -hmm. as people go through the seasons, but it'll be really gratifying. And then to have students come to uh, Flourish Flower Farm and, and actually learn from you directly, you're going to get that immediate feedback, which you've already, I mean, you've been teaching for five or six years, so you've already gotten mm-hmm. that, right? I have, yes. But it's, I'm really excited to like, just help people have more flowers in their garden. I, I just want them to bring a smile to people's face. That's really my end goal. So. Well, honestly, <laughs> honestly, you couldn't have had better timing to come out you know, in the first quarter or early spring of 2021, when people are just starting to emerge from a year of COVID. But on the other hand, we know that 18 million new people entered gardening last year and they need to learn, you know, they're hungry for information. So the timing for the book's arrival is like perfect for that uh, sort of curious, you know, new gardener. Um, But let's talk about the design lessons that you're teaching uh, before we wrap up because you do you how do you break that up do you teach specific uh techniques or um your recipe or like how do you uh, address mm-hmm. that in the book mm-hmm. so i wanted um to give like a few different ways to design so the first thing it's exactly what I teach in my workshops is a, a kind of a garden style centerpiece using chicken wire So I talk everyone through that and list out, you know, all the ingredients, like we were mentioning before, how many focal flowers, here's some examples. And so that's one arrangement. Then um, I wanted to do something with a pin frog because I think it's just such a wonderful way to design and, and you can have a lot of like freedom and it's, I kind of feel like it's a little more challenging than uh, just chicken wire. That's so smart. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So what so did you I do? Do you one... have, you have an example in a, like a, 
a shallow vessel or? Yeah, it's a really shallow vessel. And I show um, photos step-by-step as I'm adding the different ingredients and talk about why I'm adding them at each stage of the arrangement. And um, my wonderful photographer friend, Tanya, came out to help me photograph those, which I was very grateful for. (laughs) So it would be hard to design and photograph at the same time. You you became the hand model on that one. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love it. Um, And then I wanted to do a hand-tied bridal bouquet kind of in the classic spiral because I feel like that is such a good foundation for building bridal bouquets, even you know, creating just a spiral to put in a vase on a table. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's kind of just a classic or a gift bouquet that you take to someone for a dinner party or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one I included were market style bouquets that you could do for grocery store, farmer's market, CSA bouquet subscriptions. Um, so it's, um, great more of like a scaled back version of, of the larger bouquet. You know, it's so interesting as you, you talk to so many florists or I do who say they got into floral design because they um, wanted to design their wedding flowers. And so that mm. the wedding bouquet is sort of the point of entry for a lot of people. And similarly, I have, a I, I just know of so many people who grow flowers, you know, initially for someone's wedding, like, their granddaughter's wedding or their daughter's wedding or, you know, uh, their own wedding. And so that, you know, as, as cliche as it is, that is sort of the entry point for a lot of people is to have wedding flowers that, that they are sort of a connection to the earth and to their place and to their season. So of course you're going to teach people how to do that. That's probably going to be the most, uh, I mean, they're all sound wonderful, but that's been probably the most copied and, and practiced, um, yes. <laughs> of the techniques, but the market bouquet is really smart too, because again, that's, that's the bread and butter. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what's paying the bills, right? It is. Yeah. And then, you know, I even showed people how I fold Hold the craft paper to make it look presentable when you hand it to someone. It's it's not complicated, but just to actually see it like in progress, I think is really helpful. Those are the things I feel like you stumble along by yourself when you're learning. So to have a visual, um, I hope is helpful for people. Honestly, the the thing that I marvel at the most when I watch flower farmers bunch bunch when they're like harvesting 20 you know stems of ranunculus and then bunch is that technique with the rubber band that you rub yep. put it like <laughs> put it on one stem and then wrap it and then I just need a lesson on that. I, that yes, would be, that I would have be, some photos in the book. Do you really? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, that's kind of, I can't even articulate what I want to learn, but you ha- if you have it in the book, that'll be great for the, um, the, the people who are clumsy like me, who don't know what to do with a rubber band. I love that. That's great. There's no right or wrong way, but it does go pretty quickly. <laughs> I, I bet you, you could, you could beat a, yeah, I bet you turn the, the timer on and you're cranking them out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you mentioned you had a team and like, what's, what does that look like for 2021? What is, what do you think in addition to promoting your book, what is your season going to look like? And well, mm. you've already started teaching too. Yeah, we started and, and weddings are back with 2020 postponements, new 2021 weddings. So honestly, it's, it's really busy. One of my goals is to like have a little bit of downtime. That's like a, a personal goal, but. Oh, I hope um, you get it. 
I think so. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but I have an amazing team. I have three women who work part-time with me. They've been with me for three and four years. So um, I am slowly learning to delegate even more responsibility to them. But it's just so wonderful because early on, I would have to say, okay, well, we're going to set up the drip irrigation here. Let me show you how to do it step-by-step. Step. And now I can just say, Hey, let's set up the drip on the dahlias and they can go do it. Wow. I'm super grateful for them. And they honestly help with everything from harvesting, planting, shipping flowers, making our subscription bouquets. I, I could not do any, do mm. it without them. Mm -hmm. It's nice that you also had people who uh, learned your method and your approach um, because it, then it, you've got everyone cross-trained and maybe you can take a weekend off, you know, every now and then or. Yes, um, I know. I actually have blocked off a week at the end of July and I'm going to try to go on vacation. I have never done that before. Wow. I mean, I rarely take a day off. So this is like my, a big deal. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I hope that happens. I hope I get to visit you in Asheville one of these days. I just, I just love the photos. Yes. Your place is so photogenic and it's just got so much, um, you know, as you talked about telling the truth and showing the, the mistakes and the gritty part of flower farming, regardless of all that truth telling, the photos of Flourish Farm are so engaging and just, it just, you know, I can see why people just want to spend time there and, mm -hmm want to buy your flowers. So you have created quite a little paradise. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> in, your, in, in a beautiful part of the country too. It really is. I hope that you come visit anytime. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, this has been so much fun, Nikki. And congratulations on the publication of your first book, Growing Flowers. I'm so glad that you're part of the Slow Flowers community and that you're sharing your story. I know it'll be an encouragement for people who want to check out the book, find and follow you if they aren't already. And um, gosh, I didn't even know you were shipping flowers. So that's, I'm glad you mentioned that for people mm -hmm. who want some of these blooms that they see on your website. Um, that's a feat in and of itself. Yes, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that we do it, but I don't <laughs> recommend it for everyone. <laughs> well, I'm with you. I mean, I always say, look, if you if you can get your flowers local, you know, but there are alternatives if you don't have access to local flowers. Mm -hmm. And in which case, buy from a U.S. flower farm and a boutique flower farm, like what you're offering is like really the next best thing to someone down the road. So that's cool. Anything else I didn't ask you that you want to mention about this beautiful book and uh, your, your debut, uh, <laughs> your debut book? I love it. Oh, no, I just thank you so much for having me on. And I'm, I can't wait to uh, hear people's reactions to the book. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's great. And we'll have more details um, in the in the outro of the um, of this episode. Um, I'm going to get some more details from Nikki's publisher just to let everybody know how to find the book. But I love the fact that people can come buy it directly from your online shop, uh, get it signed, and maybe um, order this flower lover's gift box that you've described, which sounds terrific, um, and kind of have a whole experience, um, even with the vase and the hand creams and the seeds and like, you know, just dive in, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. Great. Thank you so much, Nikki. Congratulations. It's really fun to, to celebrate your success and, uh, you're going to have a wild year and I, I hope you enjoy it <laughs> except for that last week in Ju July when you can escape. 
That's right. Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Take care. Thank you so much for joining my conversation with Nikki Irving. If you're interested in getting in on our book giveaway, here are the instructions. Post a photo of one or more flowers you are growing and be sure to use the hashtag growingflowers and follow and tag Flourish Flower Farm, Slow Flower Society and Mango Publishing. We'll gather up all the posts on May 21st and announce the book recipients in our May 26th episode of the Slow Flowers podcast. I can't wait to see your photos. Our next sponsor thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. We've been talking all about floral books this week, and so here's another chance to participate in an online contest and win a copy of my new book, Where We Bloom. Details Flowers Software, one of our resource section sponsors for the book, is running a Where We Bloom Instagram giveaway for the month of May. Details is challenging you to show your creative studio space by posting a photo on Instagram with the hashtag Where We Bloom Details. Three top winners will receive a copy of Where We Bloom, along with a free subscription to Details Software. I chatted with the Details team a few days ago, and founder and CEO Kareen Heck is all in on this giveaway. She said she wants to add honorable mention categories for other prizes, so I think this promotion is already expanding. Check out the links and details in our show notes at deborahprinzing.com to participate in this fun contest. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 724,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flower's ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Bye.